Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. If the early disciples spoke Hebrew, then why are the earliest Bible manuscripts in the New Testament written in Greek? What if there were Hebrew artifacts that preceded? Today we have Dr. Miles Jones, a biblical archaeologist and linguist. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. On today's show, we have a biblical linguist and archaeologist. This is a doctor of letters who understands uh, all kinds of languages, especially ancient ones, and he has studied the Hebrew manuscripts that may even precede and predate some of the earliest Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. Welcome to the program, Dr. Miles Jones. How are you, sir? I am glad to be here, Dr. Chaps. Thank you. I'm going to hold up your book here, Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greece, the survival of the Hebrew Gospels and the Messianic Church. So let me get right into this. Um, the early manuscripts that we have of our New Testament, of course, many of our English translations like the King James are based on the Greek fragments or, or the, even the Latin Vulgate, which is translated around in the, in the 8th century by Jerome. 380. 380? Oh, mm -hmm. boy, that was even earlier than I thought. Um, but, but that's not the language of Jesus who spoke Aramaic and right. Hebrew. Right. And the disciples who also spoke Hebrew and what? Well, they would have spoken Hebrew and Aramaic also, but they didn't speak Greek. You know, uh, Matthew did. Paul did. Yeah. But the others, and you well, sure there were 12 could disciples. They could have spoken anything he wanted. Yes, but they were all, uh, and it says this in Acts, they were illiterate fishermen. They were not educated people. The, yeah. There's one reason the Jerusalem elite held Yeshua, or Jesus Christ, it's his Hebrew name, held him and his Talmudim, his followers, in contempt. It's not the way you do it. You send your kids to Harvard and Yale. In, <laughs> in, first, century, uh, in first century Israel, that would be the Hillel school and the Shammai school in Jerusalem. And then they influenced the next generation of the most prosperous and prominent families in the country. And then they go out and disseminate this new religious philosophy. So, so in the first century, if... If Jesus' followers were, as you described, illiterate fishermen, but only 10% maybe of the population was literate or semi-literate, able to read and write written pages, then how did we get from Hebrew spoken language, Jesus to the disciples, into Greek manuscripts that became Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, I think it was more than 10%. But, you know, uh, I, I still think his disciples, for the most part, were illiterate at the time. I think they became literate later. They had a good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yes, they had the spirit moving in them, and, and it moved them in that direction. And they wrote down the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But uh, yes, the, well, it's a mixed bag. All the early church fathers say that Matthew was first written in Hebrew, and it was the earliest one. It was written by Matthew in Hebrew about nine years after the crucifixion. That would make it roughly 40 A.D., and... Uh, Luke also was 
kind of lumped together with Matthew called the Hebrew Gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that because the early church fathers did quoted from the Hebrew Gospel. About 80 quotations are in the patristic literature. About 75 of the early church fathers commented on the Hebrew Gospel. So, you know, unless they're all frauds or fools, it existed. The question was whether it survived or not. Sure. Right? So uh, we have quotations, and many of them are from Luke, not from Matthew. So that's how we know Matthew is lumped together with it. And, you know, and all some the, people say Matthew and Luke were based on Mark, who might have been the, the writer of the first gospel. Yes, but that happened very late in, in the 1800s, and it's basically spin to, to bounce Matthew out yeah. of the position of being the cornerstone of Christianity. They didn't, you understand that they created a Greek church. Okay. Okay, now a Greek church is heavily vested in the language of Scripture for its authority. So if the most authentic scripture is written in Hebrew, then the capital of God's kingdom is in Constantinople. But if the most authentic scripture of the Bible is in Latin, then the capital of God's kingdom is in Rome. Yeah. But if the most authentic scripture is written in Hebrew. Well, well I went to seminary, so I'm an amateur <laughs> practitioner of all these things, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not an expert. You're a linguist. You're, you're the expert. That's why I'm having you here. But if the Old Testament was basically written in Hebrew, the New Testament was basically written in Greek, what happened in the first century to make the Hebrew disciples eventually write, them, write it in Greek? There was a transition there, period. And you found they, Hebrew fragments of the early Gospels. That's what I'm getting to. Uh, they're not fragments. They're whole manuscripts. They're copies of earlier manuscripts. So. He, in Hebrew? Yes, they're in Hebrew. Okay. We have the entire where, New Testament. Where did you Hebrew. find these? Well, I found them in, uh, I, I was really called to do this work, and I was told to go to Israel and find them. And I, I went and worked with the staff at the National Library of Israel, who were wonderful people. And they have done a database of all the manuscripts in Hebrew worldwide, all the ancient books or ever any book written in Hebrew. And... Uh, they looked it up on their database, and there it is. It's a 15th century copy from Catalonia in Spain during the Middle Ages. Okay, so in Spain in the 1500s, somebody had a, a full Hebrew manuscript of the Gospels, mm -hmm. and you think that is... All four Gospels, yes. All four Gospels. That's not a translation to Hebrew from the Greek. That's a, a, a preservation of Hebrew from the Hebrew words of the disciples. It's a mix. Some of, the, some of the, the New Testament was written in Hebrew. Some was written originally in Greek. But the, the Jewish Christians who were the core of Christianity for the first few centuries, eventually the Gentile Christians outnumbered them. But the core of Christianity was the Jewish Christian church for a long time, the apostles, the apostolic church, and they took the Hebrew gospel with them. And so Matthew, Luke is kind of a hybrid because they kind of doubled it in size when they when they translated into Greek. Um, but as far as we know, Matthew, uh, Mark, and John, we, as far as I know, we only had Greek copies of those. But the epistles from Hebrews that, up to Revelation, those were all originally written in Hebrew. And the church obviously knew that. It put them in the same place. They all had it in the back of the bus. Uh, so that was Hebrews, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and Jude. These were all apostles. And we know that they didn't know Greek because it says so in Scripture. In Acts, it says so. 
No. Okay. So these were Hebrews. Now they could have gotten things uh, dictated and translated into another language. And yeah. so eventually something like that happened. And so what manuscripts they had were translated into Greek. And since the Gentile church had much wider expansion, those manuscripts tended to survive more than the relatively smaller Jewish Christian church. But they did survive. I'm with you. The, so we just talked a little bit. I could talk for hours on this, but we're limited <laughs> on time. Uh, um, we talked a little bit about the New Testament formation. Let's take a break and talk about the Old Testament formation. You found some fascinating Hebrew origin letters from Mount Sinai after this. Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News. Today we are remembering to pray for the 45th president, Donald J. Trump. In fact, we have commemorated now a special coin to remember perhaps the most pro-life, pro-family, pro-Israel, and pro-America president of our generation. And here it is, limited supplies now of a special commemorative Donald J. Trump coin. It's golden, it says the word in God we trust right on the cover. It'll help you remember to pray for and remember the presidency of our 45th president. For a suggested donation of $45 exactly, this is while supplies last, uh, we're gonna send you that coin, but also included are two other products that we offer. You'll get a copy of my book, How to Liberate the World, and a special DVD on how to be an effective Christian activist. We'll throw in both of these, plus the coin, for a suggested donation of exactly $45 to our ministry. And on top of that, we'll throw in this special window decal, I Pray for Religious Freedom, to help you remember to pray for America. Listen, uh, there are three ways that you can give. Right now, go to our website, which is PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Right at the top, there's an online bookstore. And one of those items is the $45 suggested donation for all, all four items. Visit our online bookstore at PrayInJesusName.org. Or you can call us toll free. It's an easy phone call, 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Tell the operator you want the special $45 offer and we'll send you all four items. Finally, you can text the word donate to 720-573-0305. Again, text the word donate 720-573-0305. Please help today. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by Dr. Miles Jones, author of this important book. Let me hold it up. Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greece. And he has a website, Writing of God, or is it Writings? Writing of God. Writingofgod.com. Uh, Dr. Miles Jones, I wanna ask, um, we talked a, a little bit, probably not enough about the New Testament, which really the earliest fragments that, that became uh, the, the modern translations later are, are dated back to the first century. Let's go back another thousand years or two, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the Old Testament, where did the writing of God originate in your research? Well, this is what started me on this whole odyssey of discovery, right? Is I, I began looking at the, uh, the writing of God as mentioned in Exodus 32, 16 and other passages. And as a linguist, as a historical linguist, I asked myself the question, well, it's written on the tablets, the work is the work of God, and the writing is the writing of God. What is this writing of God? 
I knew the Hebrews, the Israelites, did not have a writing system at the time. There was, there was hieroglyphs, there was cuneiform. So was it written in hieroglyphs, cuneiform? Right? No. Yeah. But, I, but I also knew that the original alphabet of letters, which is considered the most important innovation in human history, yeah. appeared at the time of the Exodus in the path of the Exodus. Wow. So the light goes on. Well, is it possible that the writing of God could be the first alphabet of letter symbols? There was pictographic writing before that. So I'm going to simplify this. Like, uh, like the Egyptian language is older, but that's kind of caveman yes. drawings of, of stick figures, right? I'm going to oversimplify. But, <laughs> but then we, when we got to an alphabet, like yeah. uh, in the Greek it would be uh, alphabet gamma delta. Mm-hmm. In, in the Hebrew it would be, begin with aleph. I bet. Daleth, gimel. Right. So, so those letters, which became the 26 letters of the English alphabet, mm-hmm. um, started when? Uh, well, it started in, in the 15th century at Sinai. BC. And this is what I did. I, I located inscriptions from the base of Mount Sinai in Midian, where it says it is in scripture. It says it's in Midian in Arabia. It's church tradition that it's in Egypt, in the peninsula that later was called Sinai because, you know, Sinai was there, right? But that and Mount was, Sinai is where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Exactly. That's where it started. Okay, so we have these inscriptions from the base of Mount Sinai. I translated those inscriptions, took a lot of study of the ancient of the ancient scripts and their development. It took years, actually. Uh, but I, I did establish that they were proto-Hebrew. They were in Hebrew. And they did speak of events from the Exodus, straight from the pages of Exodus. And they were in the earliest script known to linguistic science, the earliest alphabet known to linguistic science. So that was a, a great, great uh, thing to have been given, given the evidence to prove that that was so. Let, that let, me, let me just repeat what you just said, something that's, that's shocking to me and very important. Uh, I, I, I picture like the, the movie with Charlton Heston, The Ten Commandments, and here he's walking down the mountain with the stone tablets that God wrote mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments on. You're saying at the foot of that same mountain, Mount Sinai, where you went, they presented you these ancient, ancient texts, 1500 B.C., and those are based on, you know, even earlier when, when, when Moses maybe helped create the Hebrew alphabet. And yeah, those did. texts actually reference the exodus of Moses. Okay, we, have, uh, we don't have the Ten Commandments. I did not find the Ten Commandments. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't actually. I've never been to Mount Sinai in Midian, okay. but I got the I got the uh, inscriptions from those people who were. Yeah. And it has been provenance by uh, a study done by the uh, uh, Saudi Bureau of Antiquities. They sent a team out there oh, nice. and, and took pictures, so we know these things are there. Yeah, yeah. There is not whipped up in somebody's Photoshop. So it has been provenance. So I translated them, and they're very simple. Uh, one of them are the footprints of the Israelites, and this is the first, the very first literate act of the Israelites was to, to pl- trace their, the soles of their feet. Because remember the commands. It, three times he commands them, wherever the soles of your feet shall tread, that shall be your territory. So they're out there. This becomes their wasm, their tribal sign. They trace the sole of their foot, and beside it, 
just really important. They put an alphabetic caption, which is just a triple hash mark. stands for the letter K now, was the kaf in, in Hebrew. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it literally stands for, it comes from a, a drawing of the hand, right? Uh, inverted cup and then one, two, three yeah. fingers. But then they did away with the cup to simplify it. It was just the three hash marks. Yeah. Okay, and it literally means, and you can look this up in Strong's Concordance if you'd like, yeah. but it, it means the palm of the hand, the cup of the hand, the sole of the foot, the instep of, of the foot, and, of course, it's the name of the letter K now in, in Hebrew. Oh, nice. And it comes strictly from Egyptian, Hebrew. You've got it. It's all tied together. I'm going to make a leap here, but I think... I think we're, the conclusion I'm coming to is that the first alphabet came from God. Yeah. God wrote, yeah, exactly. God wrote it for Moses. And gave it to us on a silver platter. Actually, it's probably It is marble. actually the, handwrite, the handwriting, so to speak, of God. Yeah, it is. It is the handwriting of and God. And he taught us how to and read and write. And he himself wrote it with his own finger on the tablets. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's, it's stunning. And then those tablets were destroyed, because I'm sure you know the story. Yeah. And then Moses went back up, and this time God taught him how to write it and gave him the charge to teach it to all of the Israelites. And First became, to the priesthood, then to the heads of families, the, then to everyone. The, the laws of Deuteronomy Leviticus, which were then disseminated throughout the Hebrew-speaking world and, yes. and became... This, this was the charge for universal language. education. He told them to, to it, it was a covenant. It was an education covenant. It says, come up to the mountain, I have laws, that you may teach them, and writings, that you may teach them, makes it a teaching covenant. All right, so he, he, there are two things he has them teach, the word of God and the writing of God. Now, the word of God, we have gotten that sense of it. But, we've been, but the idea that the writing of God came from Sinai also is the part of the message that's been sort of completely effaced. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, more on the authenticity of what we have today is the Bible. Why is it authentic? Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News. Hi, I'm Dr. Chaps. I want to introduce my friend, Mike Lindell, who wants to help support our ministry in the work of PIJN News. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Well, I think everybody out there, y'all need to get behind Pray in Jesus' Name's ministry. Dr. Chaps here, but this great ministry needs your support, and you can, you should donate to it. You can also use your promo code PRAYNEWS, and anything you're getting from my pillow with big discounts, a lot of those proceeds are coming right back. I'm going to put them right back into this into your amazing charity and show. 15 years ago, I invented my pillow. It took me two years to develop because I wanted to have everything you would ever want in a pillow. I made sure that you could adjust my patented fill so you could have the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of your sleep position. I also wanted a pillow that would last, so I made my pillow machine washable and dryable. I back my pillow with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. I'm interrupting this commercial right now. Retailers have canceled my pillow, and to thank you for your support, I'm going to pass the savings directly on to you. For example, you get my six-piece towel sets, regular $109.99, now only $44.98, or my pillow dog beds for as low as $19.99 with your promo code. I used to think that sheets were just sheets. I got the Giza Dream sheets. They are the most comfortable sheets I've ever had. The MyPillow topper for the first time has enabled me to have a cool night's sleep. I'm able to go to bed and just 
get rest. That's three inches of wonderful that's in the MyPillow mattress topper. It's just like a firm cloud. MyPillow helps me get a good night's sleep so I can do my job in the morning. Go to MyPillow.com to get deep discounts, not just on my pillows, but so much more. For example, you get my six-piece towel sets, regular $109.99, now only $44.98. Or MyPillow dog beds for as low as $19.99 with your promo code. Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by Dr. Miles Jones, author of this important book, Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greece, Volume 1. There's more to come. Uh, but in the first segment, we summarized a little bit about how the early spoken language of Hebrew among the disciples became the Greek New Testament manuscripts that we have today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, etc. And also in the second segment, how the ancient Hebrew language, the first alphabet in humanity, was literally written by the hand of God and given to Moses in the form of the Ten Commandments, which became the law of, of Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus. Dr. Jones, help me now understand why are these documents that we have, the, the Old Testament Hebrew, the New Testament Greek, why are they authentic and believable? Well, there is a lot of documentation of this. Uh, and uh, it comes from the early church fathers. So we know where these things come from. So the New Testament is really a mix <clears throat> They're all Hebrew authors, but some of it, as far as we know, was originally recorded in Greek, and some of it was originally recorded in Hebrew. Now, the Jewish Christian church, which was very predominant, the Messianic church, was predominant for the first few centuries. They compiled it all together, both the stuff originally written in Hebrew and then the stuff originally written in Greek. Yeah. They translated into Hebrew so their people could read it. And those became the, the 15th century manuscripts from Catalonia, Spain, which you discovered in the Israeli library. I did. And that was, it's actually in the Vatican library, but they had microfiche of it in, in Israel. I wouldn't have been able to find it in the Vatican library unless you knew what to ask for. Yeah. Right? So The Vatican Library is sort of mystic. You can't find things there very easily. <laughs> I've been there. It's, it's like any library. If you know what to ask for, you Good. can find it. If you don't, you're right. just fishing for something in this huge, huge yeah. place. Well, they've got hundreds of just it's wonderful documents. But, but I'm curious about the Hebrew <clears throat> manuscripts of the Gospels, Matthew, right. Mark, Luke, and John, the, different from the Greek, which I trust, but, but why are these Hebrew versions authentic? Mm -hmm. Well... That was the most important question. That is the most important question about these, these uh, manuscripts. <clears throat> they were a 15th century copy. We don't have any originals of any of the New sure. Testament works. So it's a question the Bible you hold in your hand. Why is it authentic? Because it comes from an authentic source that we can trace back and see. So, so I started studying these. What do you need to establish authenticity? Well, these are the criteria I came up with. You need an ancient credible source that says, well, it's written this way in the Greek and this way in the Hebrew Gospels, and they're different, okay? Multiple ancient sources is better. Independent historical confirmation of that event yep. or possibly quotation is really good. And, of course, it has to say that in the Hebrew manuscript that you have, right? Right. So Jerome wrote about it, and he said... 
I ran, in the study of it, I ran across his discussion of it. He wrote a lot about the Hebrew Gospels. He's the one who translated them into Greek and, and Latin. So, in, the, in the fourth century? Yes, Jerome, who wrote the Latin Vulgate. Right. Right? And so he wrote the prefaces to these, and he's in the fourth century. So I started thinking, okay, the 15th century. He but first the Hebrew versions of the Gospels. He, he wrote the preface to the Hebrew versions of the Gospels. Are he, the prefaces may have already been in those manuscripts, and he simply translated them. Okay. May but he have, was aware of them in, in <clears throat> 381. Yeah, he was aware. Yeah. I mean, he knew. I mean, uh, And then talk about India. Part of it went, went to well, Chennai. The, the, uh, the authentication in, th in three places it talks about, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it talks about the... The, at the crucifixion, it talks about the veil being split. It doesn't say that in the Hebrew Gospels. It talks about the earliest church tradition, which would be first century. That was the huge lintel stone of the inner Holy of Holies itself that cracked at the, at the earthquake and broke into and fell. By the way, that would have tore the veil, which was hanging beneath it. A reference to the time when Jesus was on the cross, right? Right, and exactly that time that that earthquake that happened, and uh, that that's what he said is written in the Hebrew Gospels. So I go to all three of those verses, Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one, and I, I, each one of them talks about the stones of the temple being split, no veil, right? But the stones of the temple were from the top to the bottom, from the front to the back. I mean, the holy of holies was desecrated. Right, right. <clears throat> But, but we need to bring this home. So. so we got, so I find more Hebrew manuscripts in Cambridge University when I took a research trip there, and they're from Cochin, India. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is look Wait, at Wait, you went to Cambridge, and they have documents from Chennai, India. Mm hmm From Cochin, India, and Kerala province, where the St. Thomas Christians were. St. Thomas, there it is. The apostle. So he's the original St. Thomas, Doubting Thomas, mm -hmm. uh, by legend, traveled to eastern India as far as he could with Hebrew texts of the Gospels. Yes, they, as far as we know, they all carried the Hebrew Gospel. That's what they had. That was their Gospel. And the Tanakh, the Old Testament in Hebrew. So, uh, and, but we do have historical attestation that they had it. I mean, Barnabas even went in the first century and took a copy of the Hebrew Gospel. These are all quotations from the church father. And those documents are preserved in Cambridge in, in the UK. They are, right. And they were recopied in like 1810 from the old ones. We have the old manuscripts too. So we have like five manuscripts of the Hebrew Gospels. So I go and look in those. And in those three passages, I mean Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where it talks about the crucifixion and the splitting of the veil, it also talks about the splitting of the stones of the temple, specifically the lintel stone, the huge stone over the entry to it, broke in half and fell. And in all three of those verses as well, it authenticates what Jerome said was written in the Hebrew Gospels, the earliest church tradition in two manuscripts. So that sews separated, from Separated by 5,000 miles in 2,000 years. So you can't make that up. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's independent confirmation from 5,000 miles away, two different ancient manuscripts saying the same thing, confirmation of the, the validity of the Hebrew versions of the Gospels. This is uh, the book we want you to get, Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greece. Dr. Miles Jones has been our Indiana Jones archaeologist for biblical languages today. Thank you, sir, for coming on the program. My pleasure.
All right. His website is writingofgod.com. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org. Please donate when you visit PrayInJesusName.org. Help us to bring you these educational, informative, and newsworthy and prayer-worthy TV shows when you donate. If you need prayer today, call us at 866-ObeyGod. We'll see you next time. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best financial donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray in Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll-free right now, 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.